Welcome to the Arts Report for July 3rd. I am back. It's your host, Megan Thomas, on CITR 101.9. And the living is easy and it is gorgeous out. I hope you are listening to this um, out and about on CITR.ca. But if you're at home, thank you. 101.9 FM. It's pretty sweet. Um, you can also check us out on Twitter at CITR underscore arts report. And um, speaking of digital communication, um, coming up today, we have uh, three really awesome stories. First up, we're going to talk about the Digital Storytelling Unconference. Dot org, um, uh, where you come together without really knowing what you're going to hear, and technologists, journalists, game makers, marketers, all sorts of people come around from Metro Vancouver to talk about digital storytelling. Um, then uh, later in the show, we will have Lisa Gallia on from Spatial Poetics 12, um, put on by the Powell Street Festival in partnership with SFU community engagement um and that is happening this saturday and it is release me is the theme this year and this is a uh, interdisciplinary event that uses animation visual arts dance all sorts of stuff um lisa is a dancer and she is pairing with gabriel salomon who is a musician and artist um and lisa is also of the 605 collective so that is going to be great we're going to have them in studio and then at 6 o'clock, we're going to do a little arts project focusing on Sabrina Jalees, who is a Canadian comedian who's returned from afar, a.k.a. New York, um, as well as a tour in the States, and is doing her brown-listed tour. Very, very funny lady. Um, I've liked her comedy for a long time, so I'm really excited to have uh, had a bit of a sit-down with her, and uh, we will hear that at 6 o'clock. But up first, um, we have some guests in the studio, and by request, we're going to have a little chat um, above some library voices. Um, we got a couple of UK bonus tracks coming from Summer of Lust, and Tyler, um, the founder of the Digital Storytelling Unconference, made that request. So let's get that going. Welcome to the studio, Megs, Kai, and Tyler. Um, you are part of the team behind the Digital Storytelling Unconference, and I would love to um, hear from each of you. Uh, just introduce yourselves to our listeners and, and tell us a, a little bit about yourself. I'd like to start. 
Megs, you're up first. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently I am. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Meg Doyle, and um, yeah, I, I really come from an entrepreneurial background, so I had uh, my own business called What Is Your Story um, for the last three years, and I really, uh, my whole focus was helping businesses find their story and then tell it across multiple platforms, whether it's Twitter or using oral storytelling, whatever fit the job. Uh, and more recently, as in two days ago, um, <laughs> I started here at UBC as digital storyteller. So, well, little... welcome to the UBC family. Thank you very much. And Kai, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, my main background is in product design, mostly for uh, apparel products um, with high sort of uh, high performance uh, sports apparel. So, um, and my other love that I do on the side is photography. So that's sort of my digital storytelling connection um, using digital photography to express or connect people. And you were taking some photos so people can see those photos um, online and I should say that um, while we're introducing you physically, we should also introduce you digitally. Um, So you can follow DSU Vancouver at DSU Vancouver on Twitter. Um, We have uh, at Magsy Doyle and at uh, Kai Shin Chu and we also have at Denim and Steel, a.k.a. Tyler. Hello. Um, Tyler, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you're working with the festival. Sure. Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> the Unconference. The Unconference, yeah. Um, so I'm a software developer, and we make products, and we try to tell the story through those products. So we like to make things that um, can exist in the world in a way that kind of makes sense. So we don't kind of make things for no reason. We like to build things that connect with people, can tell a story, and can live beyond you know, the original inception. And so, yeah, we got involved. Um, you know, It was right along the lines of what we were doing and, and wanted to turn this into a real thing. Now, um, let's talk a little bit uh, about the format, and then we'll kind of go backwards a little bit. But just because that term unconference is probably mm-hmm. on people's minds, so um, can you explain that? It's it's pretty straightforward and at the same time, like, kind of revolutionary. Yeah. Um, so when you run an unconference, it's a, a little bit, um, it can be a little bit tricky for people. They don't know exactly what they're going to show up and, and hear about during the day. Um, so how it works is you show up in the morning, And we sort of get together in the morning and have 10 second pitches for anybody that wants to talk that day. And, you know, we go through each of those 10 seconds and, you know, get maybe, you know, 20 pitches. And from there, we kind of put those all on a sticky note and then vote on them. And so we end up um, basically creating the schedule for the conference that morning. And what's really exciting about that is, you know, some people come with an idea, um, some people don't and end up pitching anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to kind of figure things out based on what's popular, what are people actually interested in, and, you know, what are people talking about? Um, and if people, uh, once they once we finish our talk today, if people are interested in getting involved in coming to the conference, they can go to digitalstorytellinguncomference.org. And it's on the 13th in New West, correct, yes. at the Network Hub? Uh, yes. yes, the Network Hub, uh, which is in the River Market. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Now, um... So uh, the unconference so is is kind of this way of of really getting your finger on the pulse of what people want to talk about and who's there in the room and what they're interested in. Um, so the bigger question is, of course, about digital storytelling. So um, can you guys kind of define 
for this event, how you're conceptualizing digital storytelling. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> what we sort of found is, I mean, we work in digital um, products. We, you know, we make things all the time. And um, I think there are a lot of people that have, you know, um, careers or interests that align around storytelling and they might not necessarily realize it. Um, so when we talk about storytelling, we're talking about, you know, the very traditional, you know, whether it's an oral tradition or books or movies or even gaming, um, that kind of storytelling. And what we found is that a lot of us, um, especially in digital, we don't really know what we're doing yet. We don't know exactly what that means um, to do digital storytelling. And so that's what we're hoping to do is kind of explore that area, um, see what people are doing, see what works, what doesn't work, and then kind of go from there and, and build new things. Um, so in terms of the way that people are telling stories right now, um, what are some of the questions that people have for you? Like, you know, you, you said that, um, Kai, you were part of the founding team, um, and you were in a room together talking about these issues, and that's kind of what prompted you to move on and kind of create this unconference. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about, like, what those initial sparks were for you guys? Um, I guess I can speak to what spoke to me personally. Yeah, please um, do. When we had those initial conversations, um, because for me, the the digital front of storytelling mm -hmm. was sort of new. Mm -hmm. Doing photography, I thought of it more as a visual storytelling and never had thought of the idea that actually it was a lot more to it. Um, and something else that was occurring in my life at the time made me think about the importance, importance of storytelling more. Um, and it's actually because my father, who been um, through the onset, later on stages of Alzheimer's dementia, and through learning how to cope with that and helping him getting the care he needed, I realized storytelling actually had a really important part in helping those that couldn't speak getting better care. Um, and so when we were having these discussions, I brought that up thinking, well, maybe on the digital front, not just the basic awareness, you're trying to spread that, but also somehow using digital um, media, if there's some way to connect people and just get more ideas out there to, or sorry, bring more ideas together mm -hmm. to see if there is something that can be formed would be a pretty amazing thing, so. And uh, you were, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, Tyler, about what kind of hap happened to really spark this yeah. process of that this needed to be part of the wider <coughs> wider community? Yeah, so how this all got started is um, um, my little company, we run a uh, speaker series that's really kind of intimate. You, we usually limit it to about 10 people. And we had a speaker who was a colleague of ours who worked in our office, and he is a professional storyteller. Mm -hmm. um, this is um, John um, Wellwood, who is helping organize as well. And um, he came in, um, he's a you know very traditional storyteller. He, he writes books for a living and publishes th these really great books um, through, um, they have a bespoke company called uh, Echo Memoirs and they make um, you know personal histories, company histories, that kind of stuff. And he came in and talked about, hey, I've been doing storytelling for a long time um, and I see this digital thing emerging, but I don't know what that means exactly. And so he was kind of talking about that. We're like, oh, this is great. And we, we ended up um, forming kind of a small little working group. Um, we called it a little bit of a lab or a working group. And we would meet um, bi-weekly to just kind of talk about, hey, when it comes to storytelling, what's on your mind these days? And we ran that for a couple months. And 
Um, the conversations were really good. We had a lot of good ideas. Um, it was kind of fun to kind of throw things against the wall and, and see what stuck. And eventually we got to the point where like, this needs to get out of this room. We need to talk to other people and see what problems they're having because it'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, how, what are other, other people doing and, and how is that working for them? Um, so we created this conference and it turned out to be the kind of right intersection for, you know, certain people to grab onto and, and have something to talk about. Um, so Megs, you are kind of new to newer to the team, um, and you were mentioning that this um, this unconference really compares to some big storytelling ex- um, collect like events that you've been to. Um, tell us a little bit about why this event speaks to you and why you wanted to get involved. Sure. Uh, well, the big difference for me was that. Um, the past year, a couple of years, I've been to some of the world's largest conferences, storytelling conferences, and, you know, there's big panels that are really impressive, and they've got guys from Halo there, and they've got transmedia experts, and, you know, a lot of money is uh, being exchanged, and you're in a big ballroom, and you're there for three days, and then you fly home, and you think, well, I didn't really, I have a lot of business cards. (laughs) I don't have that many connections. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that many meaningful conversations about story. And that left me feeling a bit empty. You know, I thought, this isn't the purpose. Like, if we're storytellers and we're getting together, we should A, be collaborating. There should be something coming out of this. There should be a deeper takeaway. Um, So, yeah, I guess I moved from Victoria to Vancouver last summer and just wanted to connect with my tribe and uh, search digital storytelling. And the unconference came up, and I thought, wow, that sounds amazing. And I went. I volunteered, actually. And um, I really, truly have to say that the conversations I had that day and the, the quality of the content was superior to the several large conferences I'd paid a lot of money to go to. <laughs> so, so I was a convert right away to the idea of crowdsourcing the content for a conference like that because I think this area is just in flux literally every day. I mean, we know with social media the, the speed at which uh, platforms are being invented and changing and storytelling tools, everyone's hacking them to tell their story in inventive ways. And um, I think this is the place to have that conversation. It's important, yeah. Great. Um, we are going to just take a breather here for a minute and uh, let you know about some events that are happening uh, around the city. Um, and when we return, we are going to talk a little bit more specifically about what happened last year. Obviously, we don't know the lineup for this year, but um, you guys had mentioned some really cool events. So we're going to get a little more into the digital storytelling Unconference, um, which is happening July 13th at the Network Hub. And you can find info at digitalstorytellinguncomference.org. Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is Fred Penner, and you are listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Want to boogie down for our neighbors to the south? Come to the $5 4th of July barbecue at Fortune Sound Club. Because what says America better than a cheap-tasted barbecue? Featuring Oh No Yoko, Noble Oak, Little Wild, Yes Bear, My Gay Husband, and Tristan Orchard. Advanced tickets available at High Life, Zulu, Red Cat, and Beat Street. Sponsored by CITR. Liveband.com is Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. 
New shows are added daily by the city's most active promoters, musicians, and by the driving force of the music scene, the fans. LiveVan.com's listings are different because they are integrated with profiles updated by bands and business owners as they promote upcoming events. Check out the archives to see how closely we've worked within the community to put on the shows you love. Visit LiveMusicVancouver.com for the latest independent and major label event listings. LiveVan.com, Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. And we are back on CITR 101.9, The Arts Report. Every Wednesday at 5, tune in at CITR 101.9 FM or CITR.ca. Um, just in the past little bit, we've been talking about the Digital Storytelling Unconference happening in New West on the 13th, and we were listening to a little Summer of Lust UK bonus tracks by Library Voices. Um, so you can check that out at bandcamp.com. The librayvoices.bandcamp.com. And then um, now we're going to be listening to some of my uh, some fav digital tracks. Um, electronic uh, by Common Vernacular, who you can find on soundcloud.com slash common vernacular or on Twitter at, uh, at common vernacular. All right. Um, okay. Welcome back, you guys. Uh, some pretty sweet selfies going on in the mm-hmm. booth right now. <laughs> so um, as we were talking about this unconference, people are, um, I mean, obviously digital storytelling is a really broad category. And so people show up and you get to kind of create your own conference in this kind of democratic way, which is really cool. But um, we can't really talk about what it's going to be like because we don't know what it's going to be like. So I'd love to hear maybe one of the topics that each of you really enjoyed last year and or maybe was surprised by um, and, and give people kind of a sense of the, the variety because it's, mm-hmm. it's a it, storytelling is so broad and digital so broad. It sounds like kind of anything could be connected. That's, and that's actually pretty true, too. Um, like one of the ones that stood out for me is uh, Jonathan, mm-hmm. who came. He actually didn't know what he would want to speak about. Um, I remember after the pitches, he said, I'm not sure I still get I'm still getting what I'm supposed to do, but I pitched an idea. I'm like, that's all you need to do. (laughs) So I actually went to his talk, and it was really fascinating because his topic was quite personal, and it was about tattoos. And although that's not digital, it was still a form of storytelling Mm -hmm. that I think the average person may not think of. Um, And he, during the talk, he explained about why he chose to use that format and also asked us questions. So it was quite interactive. Um, asked the rest of us in, involved in his talk, you know, what we thought, and also if we were to get a tattoo, what would we want it to say about us? Mm-hmm. So it had us thinking on a different level, and I think that's the part that I love about it on conferences. You don't know what to expect, and often that's where the gems come from. It's kind of funny, too, because um, you have... Uh, tattoos are this kind of billboard that you carry around with you, which mm-hmm. is very much like, you know, what your Facebook or your Twitter is. It's just like this public thing that yeah. people can kind of infer. And and also, the punster in me. Um, <laughs> digital. Digital. Am I right? Fingers? You guys? Ah, <laughs> oh, good one. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed that one. Um, how about how about you, Megs? Um, well, I saw one um, fellow talk. He was a photographer, and so he was uh, really interested in the audio layer. And I'm really interested in how layers kind of work together and how you can port a story across multiple platforms and multiple mediums. And 
I think that I had given audio a little bit of a short change, sorry to say this in this booth, <gasps> but uh, not anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm a convert now because he was, he did sound installations. Um, and so, yeah, we had a really dynamic conversation about how audio um, taps into senses and taps into emotions. And I thought that was really interesting. And since then, um, I've been telling a, a year long transmedia story and um, I use audio through it and I hadn't thought of that before so now I just love 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 doing that layer mm-hmm. of storytelling and want to learn more about it so he really opened up that world for me that was I just really wasn't that focused on so yeah it's funny because um digital uh the internet has really I think revitalized radio because radio was uh, is this really broadcast based it's very important part of, of of the value system um to be this kind of accessible broadcast but um, I think with podcasting and with online radio, like it's really revitalized that audio storytelling method. Um, and and where it's social, right? Mm-hmm. So SoundCloud, it's like anybody can produce original work and tell stories. There's great storytelling going on on SoundCloud for free that mm-hmm. you can partake in. Yeah, and uh, it also makes it so that you know people can um, still be- that oral storytelling is still there, um, which is really great. Um, Tyler, do you have any um, memorable moments from last year's conference? I'm sure you have tons. Yeah, um, I presented, which was really hard. Um, no, it wasn't that hard, but it was <laughs> it was tricky for me because I I took on a topic that I didn't know a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. So I talked about the new aesthetic, and the new aesthetic is a um, a blog and a series of uh, essays about sort of found digital artifacts in the real world, and it, so it's this idea of um, the things that we're creating nowadays digitally um, are sort of starting to bleed over into the real world, and we didn't notice that happen. Um, and then, so you can find these like these weird artifacts, so like uh, ca- like camouflage that looks like pixel art, mm-hmm. or you know these you know crop circles from you see from maps, and you know they look very geometric, but you know they look very digital too. Um, and so, well, it's the aliens. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what aliens are like. Um, so I basically was like, you know, walked in and had some rough notes and showed a lot of examples and talked about, hey, what does this mean for us? Like, this is going to be storytelling pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean, and and how can we understand this and build on it? And is this kind of the next th- big thing that's coming our way? Um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and do you anticipate anything popping up? Like, what are uh, from the year that's passed, what are some of the conversational trends when it comes to storytelling and, and using, um, you know, online media and digital media? Yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping that we talk about things like Vine. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about kind of really short form storytelling that has just kind of taken the world by storm, like these really highly constrained platforms where you can make really interesting things and people are very creative. I think I think that's totally exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, social storytelling, co-creation, right? And I think brands are getting into that Mm -hmm. and understanding that the dynamic has completely changed and it's no longer an audience but about co-creating, collaboration. Um, And that's scary to some people, but Mm -hmm. for me that's the exciting, kind of the exciting place to play for sure. I think maybe we want to bring up um, how this year we have a little bit of a theme about storytelling mm-hmm. yeah, um, tell us about a difference. Storytelling with purpose. Yeah. Yeah, so this year we we wanted to take and sort of build on what we did last year. I mean, last year we were sort of renegade conference writers. <laughs> we didn't know quite what we were doing and we got really lucky that everything worked out perfectly. Um, 
fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> it was, um, and so this year we, we wanted to take that and build on it and, and try to um, set the tone a little more. And so the theme that we chose was storytelling with a difference. And so what we're hoping to do with that is tell stories that are a little closer to humanity, a little closer to um, you know, helping each other out. So you can read the actual impact of the storytelling more directly? Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, even as far as, hey, we're a struggling nonprofit and we don't know how to stay above water, mm-hmm. that's storytelling that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so doing that. The second part that we're going to be doing is we're going to work a little more on trying to capture um, the stories that come out of the different sessions. So we're going to have you know, s- uh, the, some stealthy volunteers who are going to go in, take notes in their session, maybe take a photo or two, and then we're going to put those up online and see what happens and see what goes from there. Um, so trying to you know, make a difference a little bit beyond the conference itself. Yeah, like having more follow-through. Because um, something that we realized, like make, mentioning at larger conferences, you leave with a lot of contacts, but there aren't actually any... Um, connections mm-hmm. post, right? Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that, um, like this year, the one thing that's going to be a little bit different is our last session is bring ba- everyone back together and having a session together mm-hmm. um, so that people can sort of reconnect at the end of the day on the topics they thought you know were amazing um, and actually get to speak to those people. And hopefully those connections will last longer mm-hmm. beyond our on conference. Excellent. Well, um, we're kind of coming to the end of our time. It was really great to have you guys in, and I'm really looking forward to the unconference. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to add in terms of, like, are there any, is there any limits on what you might see at this? Is there, is there anything where, any any myths or any ideas that you want to dispel about participating in this conference, or maybe any seeds you want to plant in people's minds about participating? Mm-hmm. Any rules of conduct or like values that you think are really important to its functioning? I think the single biggest rule is if you're there, you're the right person to be there. And so if you yeah. if you pitch a topic and it doesn't get chosen, um, that's okay. If you you know if if only a few people show up, that's great. Actually, you're going to have the right conversation with the right people. And so just being willing to put yourself out there and, and mm-hmm. jump in with any idea is great. Um, beyond that. Um, you know, we had people from a lot of different backgrounds there, and that was what made it so special. Is it yeah. wasn't just there wasn't just marketing people, there wasn't just digital people, there wasn't just social media people or or nonprofit people. It was all of these people, mm-hmm. and because of that, we had a lot of diversity and a lot of good conversations. Yeah, and I think just coming with an open mind and um, you know a, a willingness to explore is really important, and also ditch the whole idea of storytelling happens in you know, elementary schools and libraries, and that's the only place it can happen. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really relevant and can be incredibly powerful and transformative for communities. So, yeah, I think particularly this year, if you're a nonprofit, um, if you're looking to ignite a community online, then, yeah, it would probably be great to come and hear your um, fellow storytellers mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. about those issues. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, thank you again so much, uh, Kai, Megs, and Tyler, for joining us. Um, you can find thank them. You. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You're <laughs> very welcome. It was my pleasure. Um, you can find them uh, at DSU Vancouver, um, and you can also find more information about the event digitalstorytellingunconference.org. It's happening on July 13th at the Network Hub, Network Hub in New West. And um, just before we go, I just wanted to mention that... Um, 
Tyler, you were saying that you chose New West just because of its accessibility, again, towards that diversity. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it was a bit of a chance the first year. We were a little like, oh, we're going we're gonna to host this in New Westminster. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a huge advantage. You know, we had people from a lot of the, you know, like Maple Ridge or Surrey or New Westminster itself yeah. who don't normally want to make that trip downtown mm-hmm. um, for, for a conference like this. And yeah, it brought again, uh, together a really diverse group of people, and it, it made it a lot more accessible. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just a quick train ride out there. It's, it's exactly. closer than you think. <laughs> it is, too. And, they, you know, they've re- been redoing the key and everything, some childhood yeah. memories to rekindle. Oh, yes. yeah. um, so check them out online. Um, thank you guys very much. And we are going to take a break. Um, you know, in honor of summer, um, we're going to keep going with Common Vernacular um, in the background there, but we have And the Beat Goes On common vernacular remix and you may notice uh some familiar uh references in there um you're listening to citr 101.9 fm I
Rot. And this is Astrid Rot. From D. Rotte Punkte, the Red Dark. And you are listening to the Art Report. Yeah. C I T R 101.9 in Vancouver. Woo! Do you need someone to talk to? If you are seeking a listener who is non judgmental, confidential, and familiar with resources, then a Speakeasy volunteer might be able to help you. AMS Speakeasy is a peer support service located in the North Concourse of the Sub. If you would like to speak to someone, Come to the desk and tell a volunteer, or ring the doorbell located behind the desk. Thursday, July 25th at the Electric Owl. It's the Monophonics. Come get funky and check out guests, the Valuables, and Johnny Grayston. Advanced tickets available at Highlight, Zulu, Red Cat, and Beat Street. Sponsored by CITR 101.9 FM. And now, for our more dreadful sacrifice. Do sit down. The music you're listening to is completely electronic. Only a fool would ignore this. I'd like to demonstrate for you some of the rather more weird kinds of sounds. See how relaxed you're getting? Every Sunday night at 7 o'clock here on CITR 101.9 FM is More Than Human, your weekly guide to all that is new, weird and wonderful in the world of electronic music. So please join me, Gareth Moses, for electronic music old and new, inane comments and the occasional sacrifice. More Than Human on CITR. Hello and welcome back to CITR 101.9's The Arts Report. Um, we have all sorts of arts from around Vancouver, the stuff that uh, I want you to know about. It's very uh, nepotistic in that way. Um, earlier in the show, we talked about digital storytelling unconference, and uh, we are very lucky to be able to continue that kind of thread of alternative storytelling, alternative to just words on a page. Uh, that is, um, because we are going to talk a little bit about Spatial Poetics. Um, Spatial Poetics is in its 12th year, and it's a series um, that focuses on experimental and collaborative performance. Um, And it is put on by the Powell Festival. Um, So it celebrates Asian Canadian arts and artists. And it's interdisciplinary, so you never know what you're going to get. Um, this year's uh, edition has um, Howie Su, a visual artist, with Sammy Chen, a media artist, um, who will also be leading Fruit Flambe at the Queer Arts Festival this year, um, one of the leaders, one of the mentors. We have uh, our support favorite, Joseph Hirabashi, um, musician with Jillian Cole, animator. And we have Lisa Gelly, dancer-choreographer from the 605 Collective, which we'll talk about a little bit, with uh, her collaborator, Gabriel Salomon. And um, what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk a little bit with Lisa. And uh, first, I'd just like to introduce um, the audio that we will be um, getting to experience during this collaboration, and we will be back with Lisa Gelly of uh, Spatial Poetics 12 Release Me and the 605 Collective. Stay tuned.
and I'm here with Lisa Jelly, um, which is a much more delicious and correct pronunciation of your name. So sorry about that, Lisa. That's okay. Um, but welcome to the Arts Report. And um, we are going to talk a little bit about spatial poetics, but I thought, uh, and the event and what you're going to be doing with Gabriel, but um, I thought we might start getting to know you a little bit. Um, you are... Um, the co-director and choreographer at 605 Collective, and um, which is really impressive. And I thought um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about about your background and your your approach to that that collective before we move into the event. Okay, well, 605 Collective is a Vancouver-based dance company that that our primary mission is to create collaborative dance works. Initially, that's how we started friends, peers coming together to create uh, dance and dance work, all sort of with that common interest of seeing what would happen if we combined all of our voices, skills, interests, questions, to try to make something new and exciting. So my background in dance is I started with ballet and then kind of added the other genres in, like most young kids do, <laughs> tap, jazz hip-hop, musical theater, started to get into contemporary dance later on, later in my teen years, and then once I sort of got deeper into contemporary dance, it was, I was hooked, and I knew that was where, basically I had the opportunity to use all the information that I had gotten up until that point and filter it through contemporary dance, and that's basically what the other members of the collective have in common, that we've got multiple different um, training experiences and we bring all of that together to make our new dance language um now so so tell me a little bit more about because you know spatial poetics and the collective are both uh, seem to be focused on this kind of range of expression um and kind of interdisciplinary so you know what are some of the themes that you found really have you've been able to flesh out more with contemporary dance like why is it why is it important to you I think it's important kind of like I said before because it's a place where all of your personal movement interests can exist and there's no strict rules around having to do classical or having to do urban styles like that's one of the things that kind of makes the collective unique is that we can use all of our tools in all of our languages and sort of make something that's our own expression and that's contemporary dance is the place for that and especially collaborative contemporary dance. So um, with this event that's happening um, on the 6th over at SFU Woodwards um, at 8 p.m. <laughs> uh, powfestival.com um, you know we're listening um, right now to your collaborator Gabriel, and and tell us a little bit about um, how you got connected to this event, and and kind of um, how you connected with him as a collaborator. Well, I was invited to participate in the event by Kristen Lavardson of the Powell Street Festival. She, for whatever reason, <laughs> found, um, found me, and well, probably knew of the collective and. So she invited me to participate and I got to choose my own collaborator. And the reason why I chose Gabriel was because I was, I and we in the 605 Collective were starting a relationship with him in terms of just kind of discussing what we could do to collaborate with him as a sound artist. And 
we we first heard Gabriel um, his sound for another dance company that I know really well and also work with. So you just he- him up. just hearing <laughs> his sound, yeah, it was really exciting. And talking to the artists that were already working with him, it's really important for us to be able to have good connections with the people that we collaborate with. Because it doesn't matter how amazing or how talented somebody is if you can't, you know, communicate and connect and be on the same page and have similar interests, it's not going to work. So we gravitated towards Gabriel. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we had had some discussion with upcoming projects with 605 Collective, but we hadn't yet gotten the chance to sort of get in the studio and start working together. So I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to start something small, him and I, and... Yeah, so I invited him along and we had a discussion and kind of surrounding what some of the themes were that I was interested in and how he could contribute to them as, you know, conceptually, not just with his music, but just, you know, as a partner in this creation. And, and we started working. We were talking earlier um, about some of the themes and, and um, you guys were working with the idea of physical memory. Um, so tell me um, how that process was exchanging these these physical memories and then and then kind of creating a piece well we are working with physical memory i kind of chose the that theme because i feel like embedded in my body is are all of these choices or you know involuntary kind of things that happen and they have accumulated over the span of my life both as a dancer and as just a human mm-hmm. so i kind of wanted to select I selected 15 physical memories of my own and wanted to sort of make them into gestures or positions or short movement phrases. And then I thought it would be far more interesting if I didn't just do my own memories but Mm -hmm. try to incorporate somebody else's. And that somebody was Gabriel. So I got him to also bring forward some physical memories that had a similar route to what mine did. So, for example, I would say like a a moment of loss of control and then I had my physical memory and then so he would he kind of selected something that he felt represented that sim- a similar sensation so we shared all of our memories and oddly enough we had a lot of links like mm-hmm. the memories were totally different and we didn't share entirely our memories but um, even some of the positions and some of the gestures that we created existed really well together automatically can you give us a, a little insight into any of the, the memories that um, that you drew on to create this this piece that you'll see uh, on the sixth? I a lot of them have to do like have a strong um, physical like there's something really physical about them mm-hmm. because you know whether it caused me to be changed in some way or. I don't know, I have an injury in there. I think you can't really avoid that. But Mm -hmm. one time where I couldn't walk for a month and just um, the implications of that. Mm -hmm. But I also have other things that are, you know, like my first memory that I ever had. I think I was three years old at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the memories that I included as well as, you know, dance-related things. And Mm -hmm. there's one other one that that I chose that... Is something I learned as a five-year-old as a dancer that one of my teachers taught me. Not a move, but a trick, sort mm-hmm. of, a memory trick. And I feel like no matter how many years go by, I always still use that. So I included that one as well. It's funny how um, events in our life, even though, you know, we 
tend to think of ourselves very visually and um you know we we communicate through like visual and and vocal communication but um those memories that you can still feel inside your bones like i have this really and sometimes the memory itself is like vague but the the sensation remains like i have a Mm -hmm. really when i was um i don't remember exact age but i must have been like six or seven Mm -hmm. um but you know so old enough to remember but young enough to you know, it'd still be scary. And I fell down the stairs, these carpeted stairs, and I still remember the sensation of what that carpet felt like. And who knows if it's accurate, but yeah. it's it's a real it's a real deep part of, of my textual memory, I guess. Exactly. My textural exactly. memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh now in terms of Gabriel, um, you know, this this what we're listening to right now and you can um find more of his um really amazing artwork and music on uh diademdiscos.com um and um you know you guys have both had this kind of local connection um but you've also traveled around the world training um have you did you bring any of those memories into it as well or is it have you kept it like from your up like your upbringing growing up I definitely have brought memories from other parts of the world with me. A lot of them are dance experiences or mm-hmm. related physical dance, physical type of movement experiences, but definitely from other places. It's like I think some of the those are the things that you remember the most in a way, like a different circumstance than your everyday life. I would assume kind of um and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it you would assume that the da- like the memories of a dancer, the physical memory of the dancers would be um kind of unique and to compare to someone who's maybe a musician or a visual artist did you did you find that did you come at it very differently than Gabriel or you said that some of your your gestures and memories overlapped I think we we definitely arrived at the choices differently because I gave him a list Mm -hmm. of scenarios or sensations and then asked him to provide a memory for that so he in a way was overwhelmed in the sense of like, how do I choose? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things. Trying to think of something that would be physicalized easily. Mm-hmm. Whereas my process was more... Although I did choose some, what I wanted to do was be in the studio, moving around, and then have it trigger. And then remember what the trigger was. So I could be you know, moving, improvising, and then I'd feel something that I knew had roots. Mm-hmm. And go into that and see what what would that come from what was that about and then try to distill everything down to a single moment that that caused that movement to arrive in the room with me that day um now i just wanted to kind of touch on this um the palestry festival and um you know their surrounding seasons um really focus on celebrating as i said asian canadian artists um is that is that something that you draw on um, that part of your background? Is that something that you draw on? Um, is that something you relate to, or in terms of inspiration, or is that you know? Ha- tell me a little bit about how that affects your your art, if at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm born in Canada, mm-hmm. and so are both my parents, and I'm half Japanese, and that's where the Asian mm-hmm. connection to the festival comes in, and I do. I think the biggest connection I have to Japanese culture is my grandmother. So, and we have a really close relationship. So a lot of stuff that 
I connect with it has to do with what she teaches me or how she is or what she shows me. But other than that, I don't I don't have, you know, a like Japanese artistic practice mm -hmm. filtering into my process. I mean, I hope that I can get to that at some point, obviously. Well, but everyone's different in terms of how they connect with, and what they consider, you know, connectable um, about themselves. And did anything um, when you're when you're going through these memories, did any were memories with your grandmother part of that process? physical memories because I, I find that like there's those different relationships you have with your parents versus your grandparents mm -hmm. and, and how you spend time together and stuff like that in this process there was I don't have any of the 15 memories I chose none of them are with my grandmother but mm -hmm. oddly a project that I was working on last month with um, a theater company called theater replacement mm -hmm. we we drew on well we had to do some storytelling and a lot of it, my grandma came up a lot. So she's definitely very present in my, she's super influential, but not in this particular piece, I wouldn't say. It's more of your kind of your arc of as an artist, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, well, I wanted to um, know what's coming up for the 605 Collective. You guys were just at American Dance Festival, is That's that right? right. Um, yep. And how did that go? Were you pleased with how it turned out? Yeah, Tell us we a had a, about that experience. We had a great time. 605 Collective was invited to the 80th season of American Dance Festival in Durham, North Carolina. So it's a really big, well-established festival. Mm -hmm. It was our first time being there. There aren't Canadian artists there every year, so mm -hmm. we felt really grateful and privileged to be there performing and representing Vancouver. Uh, we did three performances of our very first full-length work called Audible, and that work premiered back in 2009. And oddly enough, we've been touring it every year since. So it was it made sense in a way for the festival to program our very first work and um, yeah it was really great to perform for new audiences people that didn't necessarily know us coming into it but got really excited after we performed so that's always really nice because when you're performing for your peers and for your community they already know who you are and mm -hmm. your friends will love you no matter what and <laughs> hopefully and you'll be judged in a certain way no matter what so just that being really neutral um, is exciting and a great part about touring do you um do you guys have any other um events coming up that people should you know look into and make sure they keep an eye out for yeah we're gonna go on a pretty big tour in the fall mm -hmm. with a piece called new animal which is a commission by a choreographer named dana jingra who currently lives in montreal and the tour is going to take us basically all through british columbia as well as across canada as far as prince Edward island Mm. But we are going to be performing here in Vancouver, actually in Burnaby at the Shadbolt Center. And that's going to be happening in November as part, or in conjunction with the Dance in Vancouver Festival. Wonderful. So that'll, we'll be updating our website. We're actually getting a brand new website soon. So we'll be launching a brand new website and updating everybody on our local performances as well as the stuff we do on tour. Wonderful. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us um, on the Archport. Um, is there anything else that um, that you'd like to add about Spatial Poetics coming up or, or your events? Um, any thoughts to leave with our listeners about physical memory and transformation? Well, I think that although it is, we've been talking a lot about Gabriel and I's mm. piece and the physical memory, the interesting thing is when I was talking to the general manager of Powell Street Festival, she said a lot of the artists are working with memory. And there seems to be some kind of trend going on in the universe where a lot of people that I know 
dancers and other artists are sort of working with memory in some way or another. So I think it's always interesting to see all of the ways in to that subject matter because it's pretty much endless. So if they come to check out Spatial Poetics, not only will they see our interpretation or one of the interpretations we have, but other artists kind of bridging on this on similar ideas. Maybe not as personal, but the idea of memory and history and so yeah. Um, I thought it would be great to try to include some of the other artists. Um, so we are going to round out the arts report proper from five to six um, with uh, an excerpt of um, Sammy Chen's work with um, not necessarily for this event, uh, but for um, a, some another like similarly styled event brief encounters um and this is an encounter between um Tarek of uh, Hussein from Brastronaut and Sami Chen um and so Sami Chen will be uh working with um a animator let me just double check so I can give you all the good stuff. Um, Sammy Chen is going to be working with Howie Su, uh, a visual artist, and Sammy Chen is styled as a media artist. So we're going to leave you with that. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Lisa, and thank you to all the listeners at home for listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Thanks for having me. Um, you can stay tuned. At 6 o'clock, we are going to have a half hour with Sabrina Jillies. Listen to some comedy. Um, and uh, so stay tuned for that. And that will be podcasted like we always do. Um, follow us on iTunes. And um, please follow us on Twitter at CITR underscore arts report. Have a great evening. And I will be back in a few minutes with Sabrina Jillies. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm.